So again, I mean, another guest who I could have just listened to for hours. <laughs> well, we did, and we did. Yeah. Um, I well, once we get the Patreon going, we might try and put some like show show cuts on mm. on there because honestly, guys, the like Lucas last week and uh, Joel, who you who you're about to listen to, um, just so much, so many interesting stories. You know, these people, mm. have, you know, the people have just been in a plethora of shows. So mm. they've been there. They've done it. So I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as we enjoyed speaking to him. Um, and here is Joel Montague. Hello and uh, and welcome to the show. Show. Oh, you, we've done it again. You've done it again. Well, I'm We're just, just going to go. I'm just going to go alone on that one. I'm just going okay, to. I've, I've taken. I've taken it. Uh, hi everyone. Hope you've had a good week. <laughs> it's a good start. Already bickering. We have uh, a very <laughs> uh, excellent episode for you today because um, we had uh, uh, the incredible Lucas Rush on uh, last week, and we loved having you guys so much that we thought we'd uh, get another guest on for this week's episode. We got the the brilliant Joel Montague. Hi, boys. Thunder is applause. Yeah, all, all the applause at the moment. There's none. There's zero <laughs> happening right now. The, the best we can give you is a free audio clip off the interweb. Of <laughs> yeah. Thunder or you could give me like a slow clap just for the two of you. That, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, a really yeah. depressing yeah. slow clap. <laughs> Normally what I'm used to. So, <laughs> How are you? How um, are you? I mean, I'm good, mate. As, as good as you can be, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, kind of plodding along, I think, like like everyone else is. So, yeah, how are you two? You okay? You keeping all right? So just trying to keep busy. I think it's just mm. finding, you know, little opportunities here and there so that you don't go stir crazy. Yeah, and I think it's kind of hard, isn't it, with, with people like us because we're naturally, we're performers. So you're always trying to do something to connect with an audience, I guess. So I, I like you guys, not, I haven't, well, I should turn it into a podcast, but I've actually got a radio show um, that I do on a Sunday Sunday evening. Um, so that's kind of like similar. You just want something to connect with people. Otherwise, you're just performing to your mum. Like, well, I mean, I, I don't do that anymore. I think <laughs> I think she'd be like, "Yeah, please do," and I'd be like, "No, <laughs> pay me, <laughs> pay me." Yeah, you've got a you got a, new, a show that's entertainment, isn't it? That's- yeah, that's entertainment. It's on uh, the Cat 107.9 FM. Just to plug it out there, but it's in Northwest. So if you're in the Northwest, you can hear it. But I don't really. It's online, like everything everything else is, but. Um, not too sure if it's uh, a worldwide radio program. <laughs> I'm no Elaine Page, so it's nice. And um, I'm about I'm going live. It's my first live show this tomorrow, wow. this Sunday. So that's mm. nice. Have you been in crew? Have you been in crew for the whole of lockdown, or, or are you there anyway? Yeah, like we we closed in the West End. Was it the 16th of March? I think everything shut yeah, on that Monday, mm-hmm. and then I literally I got well. I got ill. I think I had coronavirus because I've never felt so well in my entire life. And I had all the symptoms. But at that time, there were so many people having it, you couldn't really get tested for it. I've never felt so well in my life, but it went round our cast. And I think it went round the West End as well. So in one sense, it was kind of good that the West End shut because I actually think all of the West End after three weeks were fully fit. <laughs> we were all sort of regenerated. Our batteries were all like, right, we're ready to go again. But at the time, we only thought it was going to be a a month maybe and we'd be back and, you know, here we are. So after the two weeks, I kind of made sure that I was was better, ran my mum and dad and just said, listen, could you come pick me up? Because I just don't really want to, not in a bad way, my wonderful house, I just didn't want to be in London anymore because I was like, there's no work. I've got nothing to do, you know, and so I just thought the easiest thing was to be to come back to crew. You know, I mean, luckily enough for the first lockdown, I was still at drama school. So like I still had that to kind of get me through. How was that, though, being in your final year and stuff and it all just I mean, I guess you well, were near in the end anyway, weren't you? So, yeah, so it was a master's. So I did the master's at RAM. OK. Um, and then and we yeah, luckily we got the we got the first two terms. 100 percent. We got all of it. You know, right. And which and is when you we, learn most of your stuff anyway, I'd imagine. Exactly. And we got the Christmas concert. 
um, we got told to go home the day before our first full day of showcase rehearsals. Yeah, but again, the funny thing was, I was talking to some, I've been doing some uh, workshops for EDA online while they've been on their break. I, I was saying to them, they were worried about showcase and stuff, and I said, but actually, and Tom, you'll know this being at Guildford, physically trying to get agents out to Guildford and other areas that aren't in London is really difficult. Yeah. And so an online, um, an online showcase isn't a bad thing. All right, granted, you might not be able to show that you can dance, maybe, um, but the ability to do a monologue or a song is so it's just easier. Yeah, I mean, the, all the agents' feedback was much the same. They were like, to be honest, we sat through it all. We watched it all. You know, our, ours was on Vimeo, so everyone had um, they, you know, they they did it so that they had like everyone had a link on their name, and they yeah. just go down the name and click, and you could easily get to people and move on. And yeah, okay. I mean, the dancing thing aside, I don't think that's actually. I think that probably did me. A very uh, you know a good service not having to dance maybe so that's not bad um, but um yeah you're right you don't get the group numbers you don't get the dance but yeah i think the attention that we got from agents was actually pretty good considering and, and pretty normal and they would they liked it So, yeah, this is Getting to Know You. This is where we, we ask our guests a few questions about their career so far. And, uh, yeah, get to know them, clues in the title. What do you want to know? <laughs> I remember you doing, like, a... Uh, did your mum run a tap class? And you're, you're amazing at tap. My mum's got... Well, I mean, debatable now. I'm old. <laughs> but um, my mum's got a dancing school. That's where I trained. And uh, we're made primarily a big tap school if... If you sort of came to Cheshire and anyone asked you about the Bond School of Dancing, we're kind of known for tap. Like big Broadway tap is our sort of thing. We're not really Bally Bally people. Also, no one wants to see me in a tutu. So that's besides the point. Um, and then I did that. Yeah, I did that. I kind of, for me, I was never really, um, surprisingly, my mum wasn't pushy being a dance teacher, which you think she was, if you know what I mean. She, she kind of let me do what it was. I wasn't really going to do anything else because I, I was always with my mum. So I wasn't exactly going to, you know, go outside and kick a football while my mum was teaching a dance class. Do you know what I mean? I was, I was there, so I did it. Um, I just happened to take to it, really, um, but mainly like a song and dance man aspect. I was never really a technical dancer. Um, I kind of got that more when I was at Guildford's. Um, when I met Philida, and obviously Philida was my head of dance. She, well, she wasn't in my first year. She then took over as head of dance the second year and brought in some really excellent teachers that, in my opinion, really boosted Guildford's dance. I mean, I know Guildford's never seen as a dance college, but I would definitely say that the dance department in Guildford is, is a lot stronger than it was yeah, 15 yeah, years ago. Um, so they really push people now, which is great, because that's what you need. Then I went on to the business, and I was very, very fortunate. Like, I got my first job. I was a swing in Billy Elliot for two years in the West End. That was my first gig out of college. Um, and it was always a bit of a... This is bad, but it was always kind of like a little bit of a competition in third year, like who got the best agent or who got yeah, the best job or whatever. Mm, it always course, feels yeah, like that. Yeah. It's not like you, it's not like you purposely go, I want to be better than them, but you do want a bit of a statement when you leave college. And for me, I think I was one of the strongest that did because I was like, I've got a West End job and I'm cool with that. That's the goal, really. That's, that's where you want to be, isn't it? Yeah, you can't really beat a West End job. And um, all right, I wasn't a part. But that wasn't the point. Like, yeah, I was yeah. a swing, and I learned everything. We were talking to Lucas last week. What was it, eight people? The, the, the guy on Rock of Ages swung, or, or the girl? I, I know, as you were saying about, like, I know I, I don't have the brain space for that. I just, I, I, well, I mean, if I were ever presented with it, I'd take it with open arms and work really hard at trying to make it happen, anyone listening. But I just look at it and I just go, how do you do that? Like, that is crazy town. I do think, one, it's a shock to the system for definite. I do think if you've got a massive dance background or if you're uh, from a choir background, the ability to switch into different dance positions or different harmonies really helps you because mm -hmm. you've already got that coordination in your mind that you're used to switching and for me that helps like for me like at my mum's school if I was to learn a routine starting with the right foot I would immediately be expected five minutes later to be able to start with my left foot so simple things like that that you don't think about because subconsciously over your time as a dancer 
you've learned. And luckily I was in a choir from the age of 11. So again, I would never say I'm a great musician, but my ear can naturally pick up harmonies. I'm not the best, but still I, I can do it. So mm. I think a lot of that skill set helped me without it being taught to me. No one can teach you how to be a swing because everyone is a swing in a different way and everyone thinks it's their right way. The right way is your way. And as long as you do your job correctly, but the best piece of advice for any swings out there, my dance captain on Billy Elliot, Mike Scott, told me the best piece of advice, you're always going to get stuff wrong. You're always going to get stuff wrong. So if you can live with that, you'll be a great swing. If you're going to literally nitpick everything that you get wrong every time you go on for a track, it's just going to be a nightmare. Mm. Like you just won't be happy. Uh, and, and that piece of advice, as, as much as it sounds stupid, but re it really helped me. Because if I did do something wrong, I'd always make sure I apologise to the person that it affected. But I would laugh it off because it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and cry about it? Well, also, you lose focus, don't you? If you're, if you're hung up on the mistakes from the previous show, you, you go into the next show and you're like, oh, I did that yeah. yesterday. I can't. And then you, you're on a different track. You're not thinking about that track. You're thinking about the track you've just done. And then another mistake happens and you just... The cycle just continues, doesn't and it? And also, like, Jamie, um, uh, uh, when I did Your In Town, when I worked with Jamie Lloyd, he said, I'll just name drop Galore, sorry. But when he, he said to us as a company something really interesting, and it was like, it, a, a show is made up of beats, like music, exactly like how you act a show, you're telling a story, it's made up of beats, made up of points of, you know, storyline that you should hit. Now, if you miss a beat, just carry on to the next one. Don't bother about the one that you've missed because while you're bothering about the one you've missed, you're going to you're going to miss the, the next three beats. And that yeah. was, again, just a great piece of advice. He might not even think that he's giving wisdom, but he is because you're like, I've never thought of it that way. But like a routine, if I get one move wrong, don't think about the move you've got wrong. Try and nail the next three or four moves because then you're back into it. And it, may, it just makes your mind go, I'm human. Like I'm not a robot. And anyone that puts that much pressure on themselves, I'm like, you just become unhappy because you don't enjoy your job then. You're just kind of like, oh, I need to get it right. It's like, listen, everyone in the job gets things wrong. But, you know, the best time is when you're on as a swing and you don't even have to think of it anymore. That's the best yeah. time when you're jumping from track to track, but you know the track so much that it, it's, it, you don't even have to think, you know. Um yeah, and then from then Billy, I kind of went on to do quite a few things and, and you know, touch wood, I've had a pretty all right career so far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what could we say? School of Rock, Funny Girl, Falsettos, Waitress. I mean, you can, to name a few, it's... What was your favourite one? Or favourite part? Favourite show or favourite part? I don't know. Um, my, um, well, my favourite part probably would have been Dewey. I was going to say, that must have been incredible. Dewey was epic. Like, you kind of... And Dewey for fat boys, it's kind of like Tracy Turnblad for big girls. Like, you kind of can't beat it. Like, you are the show. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and that is, not only is that a great pressure to have, but it's just a great feeling that I, I thrive under pressure. I mean, not ridiculous amounts of pressure, but I love it. Like, I, you'll get, for me, I always think you get the best out of me when you're like, you have to do this or you die. And you'll get the best out of me, essentially. I mean, that's very drastic. <laughs> what kind of ship are they running over there at School yeah. of Rock? Wow. The tea on that show <laughs> is not even worth explaining because so much. Like, I, what I will say is I met some wonderful people on that show, but it wasn't my favourite time. They, they didn't, well, I don't care. They didn't really treat us very well on School of Rock, if I'm very honest. And, and I think that they know that. Um, and I hope that that travels through with them because they are a very good company when they're on point. But it just wasn't... I just don't think it was very well organised, to be honest. Um, so, that yeah, that was kind of the truth. Uh, and for, for me, one of my favourite things was... Now, this is really... This is not only stagey, but this is like, Joel, you're a twat. You can vote that out if you want. But when I was, re when I was rehearsing School of Rock, when I was tech in School of Rock, I was still finishing Funny Girl. So I would be at the Savoy. Do, so I'd be at, sorry, I'd be at the New London Tech and School of Rock. I'd have to leave. I'd walk five minutes and go to another show. Like as an actor, not only is that so jammy, but, but you, you have to realise how thankful you are. that, yeah. that For those three or four weeks, I was doubling up in shows in the West End. You don't get the opportunity to do that. Um, so 
that that was that was a real moment where I was like like wow you've you've achieved you've achieved something quite quite big here because not everyone can can do that and then secondly I was when I was finishing School of Rock I was also rehearsing Fat Friends so I think I am I might not be but I think I am the only person that was in an Andrew Lloyd Webber show while rehearsing for a Nick Lloyd Webber show so I'm going to take that <laughs> one to the grave because I actually yeah. think I'm the only I, person that's done that I suppose as well you're you're saying like it is it's just I mean it's remarkable that you were going from teching from a new a new musical to going to do Funny Girl which is one of the classics and your work as a swing I suppose as you were saying about 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 people who can't understand you just you, because of that you just knew what to do and it's were you swinging on sorry were you swinging on on rock no 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 I was I was um, Mr Williams I was one of the gay dads yeah yeah that was it and I cut I was first I was first cover Dewey and also it. shout out to David Finn and Gary Trainer who were brilliant and and Stephen Leesk as well who who were great Deweys and we worked very much as a team it's one one thing I was really thankful for there was no competition between me david and gary whoever went on we stole each other's jokes we found moments that we used on each other like it really was and we're the three of us are still very close to this day like it had to be a team what about your what about your favorite show my favorite show or uh okay there's a few different ones so uh billy probably because it was my first one and it meant so much to me and also just an incredible show anyway yeah i mean unbelievable show and so that was my first one um what was then? I'd probably say you're in town was up there. Um, mm. Just an epic show to be part of. Like mm. the team, the people. Like we are still chatting today. That group of people, that group of 25, 26 actors, very close. Will always remain close. Very supportive of each other. So team today, they know who they are after listening. But that's that we are. We are extremely close. D- definitely that. Um, uh, Funny Girl, obviously, for, for, for Sheridan, for working with Sheridan. Um, mm. That's obviously a big standout for me. And then, yeah, I mean, even Falsettos and Waitress. But, I mean, I can't I find it really hard to pick a favourite. I've been very lucky. But in the same token, they're all, they're all great for various reasons. Like... Mm. falsettos just because of what it was like and funnily enough funnily enough i actually not not that i think not that i think that i was going to get an olivier award or anything but i do think that because falsettos had such bad press about that that the olivier board didn't focus on that show Mm. because certainly there were certain performances in there that deserved to be noticed Mm. um and i think the show did as a whole because we really great show it was, and it, we really it created a stir, Getty, of, like, young people. There were so many young people that came and watched oh, yeah. that show. And, and it wasn't like I woke up on the delivers. I was like, ugh. But it was, we already knew, because of all the bad press, that certain people... Put, and I just think, how, how dare you do that to a show when there's just a group of actors? And what you could have done was gone and be supportive. If you didn't like it, fine, you didn't like it. I mean, everyone's got their own opinion. Don't slate something that you've never even seen. I came in two weeks two weeks late into the process. I basically had to learn the show in like three days musically, which is forty three songs and is a mammoth task anyway. Yeah, it's a ma- mammoth musically. It's it? horrible, get it? It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and we got through it, and we it really brought us together. But what annoyed us was it brought us together because we were like we were we couldn't respond to this negativity because we were kind of like if we respond, it's like we're biting. Whereas I was like ready to go for him, because I was like, "Listen, <laughs> bitch, I'm like, I'm not having you." If, if I came to your show and did that to you, how would you feel? It then became personal, and I was like, yeah. "I would never be personal to someone." It was just so low, like so her <laughs> solo. It was just, but it was just, it was just such a low blow. But waitress was great. <laughs> that, was, that was great. That was that was wonderful. Yeah. Well, waitress must have been really fun because mm. you. You were the yeah, I think, I think I felt like I was flying a flag a little bit for all the sort of the musical theatre performers because I, I was the first Ogie to go in that, yeah, that wasn't a course, celebrity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt like I had very much a lot of support from the cast and that's no disrespect to the other three boys that did it before because they were great. I didn't see all of them. I didn't see Blake, but I saw Jack and I saw Joe when I was taking over and they were great and they did it in their own way. The audience loved them and... You know, but I, I did feel like I mean Jack McBray was is a 
comical actor anyway. That's improv is his thing. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I just kind of came in from, I just felt like I had to wave the flag a little bit for industry people because I was like, listen, this role, this role on Broadway was played by a Broadway legend. You know, Chris Fitzgerald is, is an absolute star of a performer. Um, and I always feel like in, in Britain, when any role is sort of taken over, let's say, by a celebrity, the celebrity isn't that standard of person. It, it's, it's who sells tickets. Mm. Um, and so for Ogie, I was kind of, I felt a little bit of pressure because I also knew that the, the Joe Sugg fans would probably come back to watch it and be like, oh, he's, you know, he's not Joe. And but I expected that because if you're a Joe Sugg fan, I'm not Joe. I mean, I look like I've eaten Joe. So, you know, that doesn't help. Um, but, you know, he, Joe himself, was an absolute star of a guy, the nicest person, um, so lovely, like, has, works so hard. Like, I know, I know, I understand he's a vlogger and people look down and like, listen, that boy, he works so hard and I have a lot of respect for him for what he's done. Um, but the people I got to perform with, you know, with Dave, I'm good mates with David Hunter, and Lucy, mm-hmm. who was amazing, and then obviously to yeah. to, be, to have Sarah and Gavin come in was was amazing. Oh, and, uh, th- this is this is sort of a pet peeve I have anyway with with shows in general. Like I got Sarah, and I understood with Gavin because Sarah and Gavin did it together, and Gavin has been here. I don't believe you have to get Americans over just to sell tickets. Like the British public do not care. Like. Yeah. They don't know Broadway stars. They don't yeah, know yeah. them. It's not a bad thing. And that's not insulting to them because, like, Kat McPhee and Gavin Creel. And Gavin Creel does have a following in the UK because people know him, you know. And so Sarah and Gavin, I got... It was it was awful on David in one sense, but David understood. He was like, you know, David was called about... And also, David was supposed to be coming back. So it wasn't actually a massive issue in, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people, like... You know, I know they've got Megan Mullally coming over with Anything Goes, and and that's brilliant. I love her because I love Will and Grace, but if you've never watched Will and Grace, you would not know who she is. And I think sometimes British producers kind of just need to look at that because it's like you could make some UK people stars by mm. boosting their profiles. Do, do You know, you could spend about two or three grand on press on one person and instantly their Twitter feed and their Instagram, they, they, would, they would fly. So therefore... Like, you you can do it, you know. Rather than paying how much you would pay for an American to be there, you're going to save so much more money by putting... Mm. Are you, we're cheaper. We're cheaper. So <laughs> use the UK yeah, people because yeah. we're cheaper. Well, this week's show is... Uh, I mean, it's quite obvious because, again, it's in the title of the episode. Um, but this week's letter is, of course... So, uh, yes, this week's letter is F. And, uh, of course, uh, we're looking at the show Funny Girl. Hence why Joel Montague is yeah, we are. here. Um, now, before we do, um, we're going to talk about Indeed. that in a second. Before we do uh, talk about your experience on the show and what you think about the show, mm. we're gonna, we always do a plot. Plot summary, 45 seconds. Now, you can give mm-hmm. your feedback, uh, Joel, as to uh, how good you think we've done with this. Well, it's um, not we've done, Tom. It's 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 you've done this week. I've I've got nothing to do with it this week, so it's all you. I tried to drag week. you in. You did, but no, it's very much me. Oh, good. Well, I, I've got to time you. So you've got forty-five seconds to to um to give us the plot of Funny Girl. Um, it's not this complex plot. No, not really. But but you know you know. See we'll, what you can we'll do in forty-five seconds. Right here we go. Ready? I shouldn't have said that. Three, yep. two, one, go. Fanny is a stage-struck teen who gets her first job in vaudeville, even though her mother and mates say that she isn't very pretty. Fanny uh, perseveres and is helped by Eddie Ryan, hey Joel, uh, a dancer to pursue her career, which finally takes off after turning a straight romantic number in the Zeekville Follies into a comedy routine with the crowd laughing and loving it. She then meets Nick Einstein, a very rich, attractive man, and falls in love with him after a private dinner and decides to quit the Follies early and marry him in New York. They have a baby, Fanny becomes a huge star, everything is great. However, one of Nick's ventures falls through, they go broke, forcing Nick to embezzle money and getting him arrested. Fanny falls, uh, still loves him, he goes to jail, but she waits for him. When he comes back, he leaves her. Fanny is heartbroken, but she is not defeated. She'll go on, no one will rain on her parade. 
Wow, 46 seconds, 46 Thanks, seconds. Dad. That is the closest. That was really wow. good. That is the closest we've ever had to the to the That's good. allotted time. To the, to the mark. Yeah. I'm impressed. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> well I know. Like, I, normally, normally I sort of just try and do it off the top of my head and it turns into a complete Fast. mess. Yeah. Now, Joel, you played Eddie Ryan. I did, yeah. And I saw you do it. I saw you do it. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It's not the wonderful Josh Lay that's on the movie, unfortunately. Um, I didn't get it, it. That was, I think that was a little bit of a crux, and that's no disrespect to Josh because Josh is amazing as well. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think for the London cast, we were so gutted that we didn't get to do the film version. Was that the tour? Yeah, yeah. Because I went to, I went to watch it because I, I actually watched the film, which Eddie isn't. I think he's not in it. In the film. Eddie, no, Eddie's in the film. He's just not as prominent in the film. But then I, yeah, I went to watch the tour because I think it's on Sky Arts or something. But yeah, I saw that you obviously. But were you, is that because? Yeah, I got up at School of Rock, and but realistically, my my plan was to go at School of Rock and then move up to play Dewey. That was kind of like what was in my head because I think originally I was like I was in for the alternate and I got offered first cover, um, which I was very very iffy about, and you know. My agent rightly said to me, listen, there's not that much. And he said, unless you want to go on the tour with Funny Girl, which if I would have been going on the tour with Funny Girl, I would have just kind of been doing it for money. And that wasn't, I didn't think that was fair on what I wanted to do. And also it wasn't fair on Sonia, who was the producer. Not that I would have done any any less of a job at all. Um, but I just, I just had my time with the show. And also a lot had happened on that show. Obviously every, everything with, with Shaz and stuff and, a lot had happened, and, and I think I needed a break from it. I adore the team on the show. Like, Alan Williams is a really good friend of mine. He's a big musical supervisor. He's just mm-hmm. one of the best at his job, and I have so much time for Alan, and he's helped me so much. And Michael Mayer, who's the director, who he directed, like, Spring Awakening and Thorny Modern Millie, and just the best fun, like, the best fun so cutthroat to you that I see when someone's direct with me, I laugh because I just think, just tell me I'm shit. And then I'll laugh. Like, it's not like a bad, it's not a disrespectful thing. I just go, you know, but like, Joel, that was awful. And I'll be like, yeah, it was. Thank yeah. you for clarifying that situation. Some people can't <laughs> take that, but I, I like it. I like, it. I mean, I don't like being bullied, but just the direct <laughs> quote is quite funny to just me. To you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And he just made me giggle and, and re- realistically, kind of the reason I got the job was Lynn Page, the choreographer, because I went in, I went into an ensemble boys dance call. So obviously you've got beautiful boys that look like Luke Featherston, who was our dance captain, and Matt Croak, and all these all these amazing boys. Mm. And then you've got fat old dumpy me that walks in, and Lynn was literally like, "Why the hell is this rugby player walking into my ensemble boys dance call? Because I look nothing like those boys." And then I started to dance and she was just like, she didn't, I don't think she expected, I might be unfair by saying this, but I only know that sort of me and Ryan Pigeon in the business that are like bigger boys that that can dance full out. There's not a lot of us around. Do you know what I mean? So it's very much a niche that I feel like has been a big thing for my career. She kind of picked me out and... But I think she watched me not just because it was the dance wise, because I was bigger than everyone else. Like in the nicest way to the other boys, it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you've got all these beautiful, slender lads looking great, and then you've got him from Crew on the sides. Do you know what I mean? Like that was that was essentially what it was like. Um, and then I got recalled, and I did a bit of tap with her, and then she obviously found out that I was tap was my thing, which then played. Hence, when you see Josh do all the choreography in the show, that was based on the fact that I was a tapper. So we made a Eddie Tap a lot. Um, and in that, she went with um, Mrs. Bryce in the second half, who taught her everything. All that was Tap that we that we developed in the studio, me, Lynn Page, and Becky Howell, who was her assistant on the show. Um, so for me, Lynn's been so supportive. Like, I would literally take a bullet for the woman. She's that, uh, I adore her, and she's brilliant. And then um, the cast on that show were just unbelievable. And, you know, whatever opinions people have of Sheridan Smith, She's quintessentially the greatest actress I've ever worked with, and I will probably take that to my grave, unless I maybe work with Julie Walters, Maggie Smith, or someone like that. But mm. Sheridan is definitely up there, and and anyone to say says that she isn't, they're lying. They're mm-hmm. abs- mm-hmm. they're a liar. 
because that's raw talent. Like you can't, I'm envious when I watch her because I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? How do you have the audience in the palm of your hand? What was it like, um, you know, going into the rehearsal process, knowing that that's who you're going to be sort of playing? Well, I've, I've, so I've met, I'd met Sheridan a few years ago during Legally Blonde. Like we were in Freedom one night and I rang up in there. Obviously, she wouldn't. She wouldn't remember. She wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, no one remembers each other from Freedom. You meet anyone from Freedom. <laughs> um, but uh, I then I was Facebook friends with her from that night, and then a message said, "Say, oh, listen, I'm playing Eddie. I'm playing your best friend in the show." She was on holiday at the time. She sent me a lovely message back, and we just naturally gravitated to each other. I think because Sheridan's show is very lonely, realistically. Yeah. In the show. Yeah. You know, um, she only really had me. Darius and um, and the wonderful Marilyn Cutts that played her mum, Mrs. Bryce. That was sort of the most interaction with those people that she had. But with me, we kind of got close because we kind of just went in order. And for the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the show, it's me and her. Yeah. Like, it's effectively me and her. So um, we, just got, we just got really close. And... Mm. Yeah, like we we just built a really strong friendship, and obviously the, that friendship got tested at points because of the things that she she went through. Um, but you know, listen, any anyone that's under that amount of pressure, that's in that public eye, like I I can't imagine mm. what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like. And honestly, boys, they would hound her like hound her. It was it was embarrassingly uncomfortable for her. Like she could never relax. She was never able to relax. You know, it, it was just impossible for her all the time. She's just like, she couldn't go anywhere. I, was, I mean, I was unlucky because I, I didn't get to see her. I, I saw, I mean, I saw Natasha and she was um, unbelievable. Like, I, I just, I, I remember, I remember coming out of that show being like, obviously slightly like, as you do, you were like, I, w- I, I would like to have seen Sheridan do it because, you know, it, it would have been amazing to see Sheridan do it. But when, but what I came away with that was just like, I mean, what a show, but also just what a job she did because... Well, yeah, because but the thing is, like anything, Giddy, like, you know, and Barnes, Barnes will probably... I mean, Barnes has got a hell of a voice anyway. I mean, the girl can sing the yeah, vocal. Yeah. She's unbelievable. Yeah. But, yeah. like, you know, and I think Tash will admit, her blueprint of her, of her Fanny Bryce was, was based on Sheridan. Yeah. You know, when you have someone that top quality laying down the foundations, you'd be stupid as an alternate or an understudy not to take that foundation and build on your character. And that's what she did. And, mm. cu- you know, kudos to, to Tash. She did an unbelievable job. And it was a mountain to climb, especially with the audience kind of being 90% Sheridan Smith fans because yeah. that's why they were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, she won them over because she was she was wonderful in the role. But if it wasn't for Sheridan, you know, hopefully she'd have, she would have been this, knowing Tash, but if it wasn't for Sheridan setting up those markers, Tash's Fanny Bryce wouldn't have been anywhere near the standard that it was because, you know, she needed she needed that guidance, you know. What was your, your favourite moment on the show or, like, in the show for you, performing in it? Um, I, I mean, for me, the people... Yeah, the people in general like we still have um we still have a group. There's called a group called the PCD bitches, which is like <laughs> you must have a lot of WhatsApp groups. <laughs> yeah, well, everything that we all went through, you know, everything that we all went through together. Yeah, with, with Sheridan as well. And the one thing I, the one thing I, I always will always maintain is no matter what was said, like no matter what was said and what happened, con- controversy or whatever, you know, even if Sheridan Smith, the wonderful Shaz, is, is listening, like. All we wanted was for her to be well and lead our show because when, you know, when she was there, she was unbelievable. Like, she was unbelievable. I can't tell you. Like, the Sky Art thing is one thing, but a live performance, it, it you can't beat a live performance. Like, I mm-hmm. did spend a lot of time with Sheridan because... I, I I remember saying we remember talking. We were sort of talking within the first few weeks, and I just kind of said to her, "Look, I said I understand that you're Sheridan Smith, and I'm a huge fan, like the biggest." Two pints of lager was like northern comedy, my era when I was seventeen, eighteen. I was like amazing. This is what. So for that, I was like, "Oh my god!" And um, we just kind of developed that if we were good mates off stage, we we that relationship would just transfer on stage. Yeah, because thinking back to it now, but it was, thinking back at it now, the chemistry, and I know it wasn't Sheridan, but I think it's, 
watching the chemistry you guys had on stage, clearly there was just such a bond. Do you know what I mean? There was clearly such like all of your. I mean, I don't know whether she 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 might she but we loved each other. We adored mm. each other. Like we did. We just laughed. Like we we just laughed and yeah, she was just the best. And I think through everything that happened, I I always tried to to have her back in the best mm. possible way. Um, yeah. But but obviously the one thing that is hard for someone like Sheridan to understand is when you're a measly pawn in a show that isn't an Imelda Staunton that doesn't have any clout to any anyone else, you end up kind of being a follower. So I, I kind of was a follower in a way because I couldn't really be anything else. And people could go, yeah, you can. I'm like, yeah, but not when you're working on stage with someone and you want that relationship to be truthful and honest. And so for me and her, it was all about having fun, really. Mm. And hopefully that transcended on onto the stage and well, it did. It definitely did, I think. And it's such a good show for that to for that kind of relationship to work. Do you know what I mean? Like Well, it was funny, you know, because I mean, not that Michael Mayer will watch this, but I remember Michael saying to me, <laughs> arguing with me actually, saying that Eddie was gay. And I said, well, I, sorry, I completely disagree. I don't think he is gay. I said, I think he's completely in love with Fanny Bryce. And yeah, he wants I Fanny agree. to be with him for the rest of his life. And the fact is, is mm. that the reason he makes digs at Nick is because he's completely and utterly jealous. You know, and I've been there. Like, I've been that third wheel. So for me, I could play that rather than being like, not, not that he'd be overtly camping stuff, but I'm like, why? Like, you surely you want the love story to be the people watching going, Fanny, why are you dealing with Nick? when you could just be with Eddie, who yeah. loves you and adores you for who you are. And the amount of people that, when I walked out, was like, why didn't she go with you? And I was like, well, that's just what I wanted. That's all I wanted was people to say, why didn't she go with you? People. But Funny Girl, that was the first time it was performed since the original production, yeah, 50 yeah. years previous. Which really surprised me when we were looking into it. I couldn't believe that that was... I know, they done. I think they've done it in... I think Stephen Meir had done it in Chichester um, a few years back. But um, Morris Lane, who was our Mr. Keeney in our production, was in the original cast with Barbara Streisand. He was in the ensemble. Wow! So he did it. He did it at the age. I think he was. I think he was 28 or something when he did it, and he was like nearly in his 80s when he was with us. And wow. I just said to Morris, like, what? And he brought in a picture signed by Streisand with him, <gasps> and her, she was sitting on. And I was just like, that is fun to be able to do. The original production and then the revival to, with two stars yeah. that are so huge. Cool. Like wow. I was, like, I said, Morris. I said that's something in the nicest possible way you'll take to your grave. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> this week's quiz is called "Who Taught Her Everything She Knows." Very good. Very Let me see what we've done there. Let me see what we've done there. I'll probably rub it, but I'll have a quiz. Yeah? Okay, good. That's what we want to hear. So let me just explain. So, I mean, every week we quiz a guest. And basically, so Lucas went last week. I think he got eight. He did get eight. And you get 90 seconds to answer as many as you can. Think mastermind. Uh, and at the end of the series, uh, we will send you the winner. And we'll send you a, a show show mug, which I'm sure you're so excited about. <laughs> and... And within that show show mug will will be a ticket to uh, a show of your choice, which hopefully, praying, 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 uh, there'll be plenty to choose from uh, by the time this series is over. Right, ready? Three, two, one. Who wrote Funny Girl? Uh, uh, Judy Stein, Bob Merrill. Where is Funny Girl set? Uh, New York. True or false? Fanny Bryce was a real person. True. Who played Fanny in the original Broadway production? Barbara Streisand. When was its West End debut? Oh, God. Oh, what, the very first production, not the revival? Yeah, yeah. Uh, very first. Uh, yeah. 1955. 65. 1965. We'll, we'll go back to it. <laughs> uh, how many Tony nominations did the musical receive, the original? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, uh, how many Tonys did it... <laughs> how many Tonys did it win? Four. Uh, who was suggested to write the music with Stein originally? Uh, Sondheim. Very good. Nice. Yeah. Who played Who played Fanny Bryce in your production? Sharon Smith. 
who revised the book for your production? Uh, Harvey Firestein. Very good, yeah. Yeah. How many years did the original Broadway production run for? Oh, God, ten. Mm. Uh, what song ends act one? Don't run them up right. And last time. Uh, you did really well there. I didn't get eight, though, did I? Got nine. Well, that'll do. I should have I should have got the year right. Was it was it nineteen sixty six? Yeah, you were so close. Because, in yeah. fairness, sorry, I'll tell you why I got that confused. Because we opened in two fifteen at the chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. But we opened the West End in 2016. So it won zero Tonys. Weird. Didn't even realise it won zero. Um, yeah, because um, it was the same year as um, Hello Dolly, and Hello Dolly won um, them all. Oh, well, Carol Channing. Uh, yeah, Hello Dolly sweeps the sweep them all up. Rude. And the Broadway production, so the Broadway production, the original, ran for three years. I know. 1,348 uh, performances. Which we've been... Do you know why I said 10, though? Because you went like that. So I was like, oh, 10. Uh, <laughs> That's why <laughs> Tom went as it. So I was like, oh, 10. So he was giving you 10 seconds left. That's literally why I said 10 years. Sorry, I should have so. warned you. That's my bad. <laughs> Hazards of the workplace. In fairness, I probably would have guessed, like, only a year, but... I still can't believe she didn't win a Tony for it, though. Like, I mean, I understand Carol Channing is brilliant as Dolly, but, I, I mean, Streisand, come on. Like, I there's know. no comparison. She won, a, she won an Oscar for it, then. Yeah, didn't she won she? an Oscar for yeah. it. But... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> win an Oscar, don't win a Tony. If, if, if Carol Channing had brought out a film of Hello, Dolly the same year, maybe she wouldn't have won an Oscar, so... <laughs> What's your favourite song and why? So normally, obviously, Tom and I discuss what our favourite song is and why that may be the case. Um, but we've got our guest, so we're just going to ask him instead. Um, Joel, in, in Funny Girl, what, what is your favourite song and I think why? it's a real stupid question, because I only think there's one song that you can really say. <laughs> you, you, you can't beat Parade. Like, you just can't beat it. Like, even if someone's yeah. in Chris, I'd be like, you... you you're full of rubbish. Like, come on. Yeah. Parade, Don't Rain on a Parade is an anthem. Like, there's, yeah. there's, I mean, the intro, just, yeah. You I mean, can't yeah, have another favourite. I don't allow it. I don't allow it. I don't allow another favourite because I think it's ridiculous. Okay, well, with that in mind then, Joel, um, Tom, what's your favourite song in Funny Girl? Because, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Are we speaking about... Tom. Right. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> I've, got, I've got about this... So we've spoken about this before because we've obviously done this segment now for like seven times, eight times, I can't remember what episode this is. And obviously it comes to it and every week we're like, well, obviously it's the showstoppers because that's literally why they're written. Well, what was last week's show? If you don't mind me asking. Evita. Right. So you, I mean, but you see, I don't think Argentina is the best song in that show, although it's the anthem, but I mean, come on, don't rain on my parade. Come yeah, on. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no, I agree. <laughs> but, but it, okay, <laughs> go on. Yeah. Okay. I really like Sadie Sadie. <laughs> Then you're then you're deluded. <laughs> right? I think I was I like, think, when he told me no, that, I was lady, like, what? lady married lady. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I can't I get know. it. I can't get it out of my head. He well, he that's exactly the reason. No. Awful, awful choice. He did, he... I think, to be honest, like, you got to look at the songs and it's pretty much all the Fanny Bryce songs are the hit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, even the songs that I did, like, If a Girl Isn't Pretty and Who Talk or everything, like, they're, they're, they're nice songs but they're not no i would have said i would have said people i just i wanted to i wanted to spice it up people is beautiful oh people is beautiful i love that song but yeah i mean if 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 it wasn't if okay well if it weren't don't raid on my parade what would be your favorite song that's the best for me yeah yeah well i probably have to be who taught everything because well it's actually probably between two who taught everything because obviously i did it with marilyn that, so that's kind of quite biased for me. But then the other one would be Great Star because Great Star was... <clears throat> Great Star, I got the best seat in the house because mm, I was on stage. The night that Sheridan came back and no one knew that she was back, she came back on a Friday. So she was, she was down to come back on the Monday, but she came and did Friday and Saturday night and Tash did the Saturday matinee. And the Friday night she came back, it got announced over the tunnel that Sheridan Smith was playing Funny Fanny Bryce, but no one knew in the audience. So the roar of the crowd instantly was like otherworldly, like otherworldly completely. And when she finished Great Star, I have never heard, I've never heard a crowd 
raw like that it, ever in my entire life. And she, she finished and she finished the button, bang, she looked at me and she was crying because she just kind of couldn't believe after everything she'd sort of been through, she just couldn't believe the reception that she got. Actually, that's a lie. i tell you what song I do love. A very guilty pleasure is Cornet Man. I almost picked, in fact, I looked, I've got the lyrics up because I was like, I'll probably say Cornet Man. Cornet Man's a great song and Sheridan does a great version, but I tell you, have you ever listened to Shoshana Bean's version of it? She no. does some crazy ass riffs on it and, it, and it's, I was about yeah, to say, and does she it's great. Like, I think Cornet Man's a really, really good song, but... Um, what was your favourite to perform? Certain things give me really good memories and Cornet Man gave me great memories. One, because I had to literally have a hyperventilation station after I did the dance break because I literally nearly killed myself most of the time. But then I had to go back on and the, the idea was, I don't know if you remember this, Geddy, from watching it, but the idea was that Fanny had to... Fanny was really nervous because she was thrown on stage to do Cornet Man last minute, basically, the idea of the story. And, he, and Eddie's taught her what to do. So this is her chance to prove to Mr Keeney that she can front the number and I used to have to, I stood in the wings in like a sort of special spot where the audience could see me as if Fanny was copying what I did uh, so, obviously the, yeah. so obviously like you know you do a last matinee gag and it was like oh don't do a last matinee well my last matinee gag was that one because I was like whatever I did Sheridan had to do so the okay. things that I was making her do was just hysterical so she's singing pissing herself with laughter because I'm Basically, <laughs> working essentially, and she had to do it. Uh, so every week we uh, do a line from the show, and uh, one of us has to guess uh, who said the line from the show. Uh, now, obviously, it's normally Getty and I, but uh, Joel, this week we're gonna we're gonna see how much attention you were paying when you were twerking in the <laughs> in <Not>. the links. <laughs> Zero. Uh, so yeah, Getty, you're gonna mm. you're gonna give us your your best voice acting. Yeah, I, I'll do my best. I mean, I think you know, if memory serves, you are you you were in this scene. You were in this scene. So um, that's alright because it wasn't in many. So here we go. Okay, <clears throat> Fanny, honey bunch, for a girl, for average, you, you're a pleasure. But when people pay good money in the theater, especially the male element, they want something to look at. I want to say it's Mrs. Straykosh. You've literally smashed it out of the park. Well done. It's when, is it. Is it, when I'm, it was when I was standing on the chair in the dress. I, th I yeah. believe so, yeah. Because it, it, it goes into um, when a girl isn't pretty. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Well done. <laughs> if I was in the yeah. scene, I'd be like, right, well, there's only a few options. <laughs> <laughs> Um, final final section. You've made it. You've made it this far. Thank you so much. Uh, this is this is my favorite section. Mm -hmm. Although actually, to be fair, I think with the guests yeah. on, uh, every section is now turning into my favorite because it's so it's just awesome being able to hear all these stories. Um, but this is stage fright. This is basically we ask our guests to share one of their most embarrassing stage stories. Oh God, I've got loads. <laughs> um... <laughs> would have been my last matinee gag on falsettos. I had this ridiculous idea, which obviously Joel was like, yes, let's put this into practice. I, um, there was a, a, a section of the show called March of the Falsettos where Trina, Laura Pitt-Pulford, who played my wife in the show, has a, has a nightmare. And Jason and Wizard and uh, Marvin and Mendel come out and do this whole sort of like... Um, weird nightmare of Trina getting married and it's all a bit of a freak show. So I thought, let's let's really Laura up. So I ordered, I got Laura's headshot and I ordered masks of Laura's face. Oh my God. Oh. Um, and so me, Dan and Ollie went on this whole nightmare with Laura Pitt-Pulford masks on our face. <laughs> um, yes. because, and what was, what was funny was people were kind of like, you know, people were like, I've not seen this. Our company manager, Blessed, was like, I've not seen this, I've not seen this. I was like, well, one, it's the last day, so I really don't care right now, like, because this show has been a mammoth for us. Like, it was such a hard slog, that show. Yeah. And also, two, it completely worked in the nightmare. Like, completely I say, worked. I, bet, you know, I was about to say. 
that, that actually you've made a very good director's choice there thank you very much <laughs> and we got the masks in we went on and we did it and we just like, and laura came up and was like <laughs> she was like <laughs> she kind of went oh! on stage <laughs> looking at these masks. and obviously i was like oh my god because also what's even worse yeah. is when someone plays a, yeah. a prank on you on stage the hardest thing is, is how that person deals with it. And then that, for me, being the sort of the jokey person I am, um, I then get worried that I've gone, oh my God, have I taken it a step too far? Yeah. And have I upset them? And I literally was was kind of hiding from her. And she came and she went, I cannot believe you did that. And I was like, Laura, I'm so sorry. But I was like, the idea was so good. I could not do it. Yeah. But I was like, but I was hiding from you because I was so worried about you being really angry at me. And she was like, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I was like, oh, thank God. But Laura Pitt-Pulford is amazing. Like, I mean, but yeah, that was that was probably... What I, was, I was very... I don't think I'm ever going to top a gag like that because I think it worked within the context. Um, but yeah, that was that was, that was that way. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming along. My it's pleasure. It's honestly been uh, such a pleasure, such a pleasure to see you. Such a pleasure to talk to you and hear all your yeah. all your stories. Yeah, pleasure to meet you. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll see each other along the way. Hopefully so. Hopefully we'll so. Let you, we'll let you enjoy the rest of your session. I'll Saturday. see you soon. Indeed. Take it easy, all right? Okay, well, that was Joel Montague on uh, on Funny Girl uh, and various mm. other shows. Uh, incredible guests, mm. as, we, as we said at the beginning. Um, and yeah, that was F. So was um, we're going to try and, and get some more guests on. We've got a, a couple of guests lined up um, in the mm, future. So we we're, we're really enjoying having these people on and we're really going to try and uh, get some more on for, for future episodes. Um, if there's anyone that you'd like to ask to get on, if there's any shows that you'd like us to do for future letters, we're open to suggestions. Please follow us at show underscore show underscore pod. Underscore, underscore. underscore it's hard to say <laughs> show underscore show underscore pod uh, or email us at show show pod at gmail dot com at gmail dot com bro <laughs> I mean I'm definitely keeping that in that's staying in sorry that was, what, no, are what are you doing what are you doing improv isn't it Wait, I kept in the I kept in the bloody what was it the death dance of death <laughs> yeah but that's not as embarrassing as Gmail.com, oh, I don't know. It was pretty, pretty embarrassing. Lucas literally was like, what? What, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I've been Tom. And I've been Geddy. And, and that, that was, was Funny, Funny Girl. Girl. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.